Hello, we are here live with another episode of The Music Prophet, and it's going to be, today is a slight shift, but we're starting to really showcase some folk artists that are coming through town, and I'm excited and also happy that they're in the studio live, so please welcome Tragedy Ann. Hello. Hi. So can we go through some names first so people know who they're talking to. Yes. My name is Liv. And I'm Brayton. And together we're Tragedy Ann. <laughs> so when it comes to touring, this is this is now probably beyond your sophomore tour. Mm-hmm. So how, is the, how have you found the experience of traveling, playing music now that you've been around the block a few times? It's shifted a lot, for sure. Yeah. Especially, like, I have experience now touring with Brayden, as well as touring with um, other groups, like, mainly my sister. I, I do a lot of traveling with as the lifers, and it's totally a different experience being with different people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the folks who are in the car have such a big role in making the tour what it is, and, mm-hmm. and, and that dynamic shapes a lot of even how the shows go, and, mm-hmm. and what the, the traveling is going to be like, what the eating on the traveling is going to be like, it, it really does shape everything. When you figure out, like, we are way better at like collecting all the information that we need from venues now, mm-hmm. so that we know when we have to be in a place and, and whatnot, and... Uh, I mean, we're really good at checking in with each other too to see mm-hmm. how we're feeling, because that plays a big role in how you do the rest of the tour. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I love it. It's yeah. great. <laughs> yeah, because that is that is a major thing, right? Yeah. Being able to know that sound check is at a certain time or that you need to have your equipment in the venue. Yeah, basically like the more organized we are, mm-hmm. the more we're able to enjoy ourselves on the tour. The less questions we have to answer along the way, the more we can just be free or just have time to chat with people or totally. like go for a forest walk or whatever we need to do. Well, and, and being organized relieves so much stress on our end in terms of, you know, driving to the venue and not knowing what we're going to be walking into or what the expectations are going to be like. And the more relaxed we are that way, the better our performance is going to be, the more we're going to be able to be present uh, while we're on stage and, and the happier everyone is overall. Yeah, and food related too, uh, as a little side note, we're getting better at packing the right amount of food, not mm-hmm. too much that it goes bad all the time, and uh, also just avoiding those fast food chains that don't make you feel good when you eat it in any way. Mm-hmm. That's actually <laughs> going a Going to the local places. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a huge thing to jump into. Yeah. Because when it comes to touring, the last thing that a f- music listener would think about is the actual, is the element of bringing food mm-hmm. and whether you make it or buy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've also shifted to eat a lot more vegetarian-based meals mm-hmm. now as opposed to meat-based, and, and especially when you're traveling, it, it reduces a lot of, um, well, your environmental footprint. That's something else that we're always aware of, mm-hmm. uh, as well as just making you feel refreshed. Usually eating something that's more greasy doesn't make me feel ready to roll. <laughs> mm-hmm. the, the occasional bit of vitamin G is appreciated, um, but, but for sure, the healthier we eat, the, the better we feel, mm-hmm. and that affects everything. It's, it's like when we record, you know, if you're in the studio for a week and you're eating pizza at every meal, while that sounds really, uh, you know, 
Brain sounds is sounds like a good time that. to me. <laughs> yeah, it sounds appealing, um, but it, 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 I think in in the long run, you just you're you're gonna feel sluggish and you're gonna burn out and you're not gonna create as good art. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's it's energy. It sucks a lot of energy to move around, play the show, maybe have a few drinks, eat food, whatever, mm-hmm. and then sleep and drive the next day, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. The uh, that that's been a, a a lesson from this tour is honoring how much uh, energy just the travel takes out of us mm-hmm. because it's you're not at rest when you're in the car. Um, we, we I was able to see a, a chiropractor for the first time recently because uh, we were playing the Mariposa Festival and they had them available to artists, which was terrific. Which is huge. Yeah, yeah it was so amazing. important. <laughs> um, and and they you know did did the rundown and told me everything was pretty well okay, but my my hip flexors were actually shortening from all the time in the car, so I need to stretch those out before we we hop in the car anytime. And they said ideally every half hour, but that doesn't happen. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, because if we were to stop... Because you're going to stop every 30 minutes, yeah. right? <laughs> have have a, a timer on the phone or something. But yeah, it, we're doing our best to, to stay limber and mm-hmm. just keep with it. And also, like, I don't know if anybody listening knows too much about what it's like as a, a self-managed uh, artist, but there's a lot of work that goes into it pre and post. And also when you're on tour, that means that you have less time to stay on top of the other things that you need to get done, like like grants or applying for any kind of showcases or or other touring or even just like creative time. So in the car, I always feel tempted to kind of be in the car office where I kind of get other stuff done, but I've had to surrender to the fact that a lot of the prairies do not have steady cell, re- cell reception, so been like a, a good podcast tour. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, because that is an element that has sometimes come up on the show as well. Talking about business and when the pairs were on here, they were sort of sharing about the ba- learning the balance between running a band like a business mm-hmm. versus running it like a fun project. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I always try and think of it as like the the administrative stuff is like that's the business and then once we get to be on stage or with with our hosts or whatnot that's both the fun part and the thing that is joyful about music Mm -hmm. yeah i think you're you're running a creative enterprise and and if i find it's very easy to spend way too much time at the laptop doing the admin side of things and and i catch myself realizing that I haven't picked up a guitar in a couple days and I haven't been writing or I haven't been keeping up in terms of singing and, and, and staying in shape that way. Or and just being in touch with yourself in that yeah, way. Yeah, totally, totally. And, and, and I think I'm actively renegotiating that division of time and, and how that is going to end up looking for uh, my, myself moving forward. What does that negotiation look like? Because for the listener, or for someone who doesn't have to balance that, mm-hmm. they would assume it's just a basic, is it important to do this? No, mm-hmm. so let's keep going. But what does that look like for you? Well, if we wanted to, if we allowed ourselves to, we could work at on the administra- administrative end of things 24-7 all year long, and it would never be done. And on the and, flip side, we yeah. could play 
play the music and, and write and mm -hmm. perform 24-7 mm -hmm. all year long, and mm -hmm. that would be great. Totally, <laughs> and, and, and I, I think particularly with the, the admin stuff, uh, we're both completionists by nature, and so being faced with this body of work that is impossible to be finished is perplexing and, and can be stress-inducing. Um, so I think the negotiation looks like setting up architecture to regularly and diligently and deliberately be working on our practice. And checklists. Check, checklists <laughs> are checklists. huge. And, and, and keeping ourselves honest with those checklists and having you know a, a dedicated amount of time every day that you're working at this thing, um, as opposed to trying to do it in binges. I, I work so much better at just chipping away at things. Yeah, and I have started to reframe things recently to actually put play time and, and self time on the checklist because that is something that is important to me just as much as the other things. Uh, and I know for Brayden, it always helps you to wake up actually early and not sleep in because then you're, you've got the energy for the day. And yeah. yeah. I've been doing a little bit more yoga recently, and, and it makes me feel ready for the day also. I've been missing that a little bit on tour. I need to get back into it. And I noticed that with the lyrics, too, they're sort of, they're very playful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I have a lot of fun with wordplay in ways that doesn't draw too much attention to itself, ideally. Um, because I, I, you know, I like having clev clever lyrics that aren't hitting you over the head with how clever they are if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I like with that tune, it kind of all happens so fast that you maybe don't necessarily know what's going on. Um, with with some of the, the, the little bits of wordplay in there, I, my, my brother is, is the, the best for texting me months after a song's been released. He's like, oh, I get it! <laughs> and and that, yeah, that, make, that brings me joy. <laughs> what is your role in that, though? In this song? Yeah. Wait, when it comes to songwriting, oh. is that something where you give feedback on the musicality, or do you just, do you just let him do it? <laughs> it really depends on the song. Um, more and more, it's becoming more of a collaborative process. Uh, usually one of us will start off with the bones of a song, if we have something that inspires us, and we just kind of get, get something out that, that mm -hmm. feels like at least somewhat complete then usually it's at that point that we uh, get together and, and share what we've done and provide some feedback. Um, learning how to voice that, that has been really cool too, like learning the ways that Braden responds best to feedback or that I respond best to feedback is different. And so we, we're, we're different editors for each other mm -hmm. in a way. And uh, usually there's some, at least some small lyrical changes that we make. Uh, sometimes it's like, I don't even know if we need this section, or I think that we should totally reframe it and think about it differently, or I try and add some verse into one of Braden's songs, and and then uh, usually it's around the same time that we also start meshing together some ways that maybe our voices could work in that song, and usually I have an idea of, oh, this feels like it would be a really good singing saw song, or... or ukulele or whatever I want to kind of add to it and uh, it kind of just starts to percolate and grow from there so yeah That's is that do you find that so when it comes to with actually with the ridge right initially writing 
is that something that you're thinking about? That you you think, or mm-hmm. is that is her input something that you're thinking about as you write? When I'm writing, I try my best with mixed results to write without expectation and without, you know, uh, uh, trying to anticipate what Liv or anyone else might might think about the the tune and. and more and more when I sit down to write, I'm trying not even to think about, you know, I'm going to write a finished, complete song. Um, and, and often I'll, I'll write and I'll get two verses down and then I'll kind of lose momentum or, or get to a spot where, you know, I want to let it fallow and, and percolate for a little bit. And, and I do that. Um, so it, it's, it's only really once, I, 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 more and more I'm taking a longer time to write. And I'm, I'm really comfortable with that because I think I'm, I'm happy with the material I'm, I'm putting together. It just takes a little while to have kind of the, the perspective on it that I want. Mm-hmm. Um, and at some point along that journey is, is when I'll bring my tunes to live. Mm-hmm. Um, her writing style is a little different though, in, in some ways. Yeah, I usually end up trying to get um, a a full, what I feel at the, at least at the time is a full framework kind of out for the song. Um, all of my ideas in some way incorporated, even if it doesn't feel finished, it's it's got the ideas there that I want to have. Um, and usually it takes place in a shorter amount of time in that initial stage. Uh, but same with for Braden, pretty much as soon as I, if I ever start thinking about what Braden will think or, or the direction I see the song in uh, beyond the creative portion of it, it gets me out of that headspace that feels really pure and focused and creative. Um, and so trying not to edit and, and write at the same time mm-hmm. is probably the best way I can put that. We, we try to keep our writers and editors from meeting, ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Does it, again, this is this is an ongoing conversation and, and something that we're, we're working on, and I don't think we'll ever be done working on, mm-hmm. because we're, we're a product of our, our experiences, and that includes our sorry, not premonitions, pardon me, inhibitions, mm-hmm. um, and, and the doubts that we have about ourselves, and, and the number... I've not written far more songs than I have written Hmm. because I've started writing something that's like, oh, that's stupid, that's dumb. Or Or like if I have an idea in my head on a random day Mm -hmm. and I don't write it down or I don't record it. That's the worst. That Mm -hmm. is such a lost opportunity and I have to, you know, there are phases in my life where I'm really good at kind of letting myself go with it and other times where I, uh, my focused brain kind of tries to block that out mm-hmm. so it's a it's a constant journey to do that also I find um, I much prefer writing on paper mm-hmm. as opposed to on my phone or something like that because it's so much more um, free I suppose even if my brain is working a little bit faster than my hands it's um, seeing the words written in my own hand makes a difference and and not being distracted by the other things that are on that screen too is is big you're being forced to slow down as well oh yeah when you write on paper yeah it's really really helpful even like 
even if it's without an instrument or something, if you're, if you're with your paper, that is that is your instrument at the time. And, and I find, I, I've tried writing on a computer a couple times, and the temptation to delete things is so strong. Just not, not necessarily whole pieces, but even just a line that I'm not crazy about, I'll, you know, um, bring my cursor over it and, and just remove the whole line, whereas on paper, everything's down there and everything's preserved in that way. Even if I cross it out, I can probably read it mm -hmm. and, and find it. And, and sometimes things have been kind of been brought back from the grave that way mm -hmm. because I had a good idea but didn't recognize it at the time. Mm -hmm. And it takes energy to actually cross things out. Mm -hmm. yep. And you have to interrupt your entire thought process and creative journey mm -hmm. when you're writing to go back and cross something out, see mm -hmm. if it makes sense, mm -hmm. and then jump back in. So it really doesn't come worth it mm -hmm. at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, whenever we're using paper and Brayden is bringing the sound to the table, sometimes it's really hard for me to read what he's written, not only because of his... his uh, questionable handwriting. Yes, questionable yes. handwriting, but also because he has verses in such like a weird web it's not necessarily in order on the no. page so he usually has i usually have to say okay can we number these yeah. so i know what the order of events is here and that happened actually with the next song that we're hoping to play it was all over the place for for a long time and yeah um that was really freeing actually for me to think about it in like this we don't have to make it linear. We can make it linear, but that's... So are you saying that your writing structure is very linear, then? Mm, I wouldn't say very linear, but usually when I write what I think is the first verse, it is the first verse, yeah. as opposed to something that makes me feel pulled to put it in the second section of the song or something. like. Uh, whether it be an actual story that has a beginning, middle, and end, or just uh, you know thoughts vignettes that kind of make their way through the song. I think the order that I write things in is the kind of the order that my brain is unfolding thought, mm -hmm. uh, which usually makes sense within that timeline. If, if we were to compare our writing styles to water, mm -hmm. um, Liv would be a bit more of a pressure washer, more of just that <laughs> direction, and it knows kind of what it wants, and, and there's not a whole lot of deviation from that. Um, whereas my style is a bit more of like a bucket of water being poured into a funnel where you have this kind of amorphous, uh, unsure thing that is then poured and, and made, yeah, made more specific and, and given direction afterwards. That's so funny. That, that is a great... Wow. All right. And that's, that's, a, that's, that's a new one. I like that. That's, yeah. that's a good analogy. All right. <laughs> when you look up Tragedy Ann, a lot of their sound is blues-inspired and very, very rhythm. Not not quite rhythmic, but it's it almost has multiple rhythms going at once, where the lyrics are one certain pattern, the guitar is another, the accordion fills in that gap. And is that your technical skill, or is that just your natural musical <laughs> inspirations and passions over the years that are coming together? I think that's a, a combination of a, a number of things, but but partially it's, it's trying to get a, a lush sound at times out of two people, and, and that's part of the reason why Liv plays umpteen different instruments when we, when we mm -hmm. play and, and things like that. We're, we're, we're trying to provide variety and keep interest 
in what we're doing and make use of dynamic uh, range as well. We, we love being quiet just as much, if not more, than we love being loud. Mm-hmm. Um, and being in between is okay too. <laughs> and I also find, for me, like with whatever I add, I like to think about um, what kind of role it plays in the song in terms of character. Like in this song that we just played, the accordion, I don't know if it came through because it's so quiet um, on air, but uh, the accordion plays the role of the whispering trees that Brain's talking about, and um, and the the soul, the soulfulness that moves through them, and so I guess whenever I'm adding something to a song, I don't want it to be there unless it's actually really meaningful for it to be there, uh, whether it be emotional based, rhythmic based, whatever whatever makes people feel what we're trying to convey. I think about it in that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I, I haven't really thought about it in a purely rhythmic sense, like, mm-hmm. okay, we got to have some variety of rhythms here. It's like, it, for me, the emotion and, and the meaning of the song comes first. Mm-hmm. And I think, particularly in the more upbeat or, or any of our blues-inspired material, we don't have a rhythm section. So, generally, my, my guitar ends up doing that while while holding down the chord structure of the song and, and you do your best with an alternating bass line to, to imitate an upright bassist or whatever it may be and, and you you find ways to, to fill out that sound uh, without it having to hire more people. Mm-hmm. Is that a challenge that you enjoy? Because you also, we, when we spoke before the show, you mentioned that you also have a sh- another band that you both playing as more of more of a fun side project. Mm-hmm. So is that is is tragedy and a f- more is that do you find that a challenge or do you find playing in a band a challenge when it comes to playing with, with rhythms and yeah with mm-hmm. having range and filling sound and making songs unique? Hmm, that's a I don't know if I've ever been asked that question before. You're good <laughs> with questions, Kyle. Yeah. Um, for me. I think that there are exciting challenges in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think of them more as like different sonic and textural opportunities that we can play with. Like, I don't feel limited personally being in a duo. It, it doesn't feel like the songs that we bring to the table require more than what we perform live. Mm-hmm. It's fun to be able to imagine things a little bit differently when we when we go to record songs, or just how to support what we do in a little bit more um, intentionally like recorded ways. Mm-hmm. But um, I just love that we have the ability to, or the opportunity, to just scratch both of those edges. Mm-hmm. Playing in a band that is very textural and extremely dynamic and um, a lot more complex arrangements as opposed to stripping it down and playing as a duo. It, it makes me feel really fulfilled being able to do both of those things. Yeah, we, we get to, to paint with two different palettes mm-hmm. there, and, and one has a lot more colors at your disposal, whereas this one, is, the Tragedian, is, is a, a bit more primary color and, mm-hmm. and, and basic things, so you have to get creative and, and individual elements stand out more, mm-hmm. um, which means that you have to pay real attention to them. But playing in the lifers, I, I play electric guitar in that band, and there's you know a cellist, the accordion, another acoustic, and sometimes electric guitar. 
all in that mid-range that I normally inhabit in Tragedy M. Mm -hmm. So with the lifers, I'm getting the way the heck out of there and, and playing either very high or very low. And, and Melodic Yeah, usually. yeah, finding, finding a niche for that sound so that it doesn't just kind of sound like mashed potatoes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I find it a really cool reflection once I'm finished writing a song, thinking about, oh, what do I imagine on this song? Um, do I picture it more as something that Braden's voice and instrumentation would really suit, or would Anita's voice and the rest of the lifers um, flesh out the emotions in a way that suits that band instead? So usually it is obvious to me, but there was a song recently, like Tip, a uh, song that we're releasing as the lifers shortly, um, it didn't present itself right away. And actually for the last tour, Braden and I went out on out East, uh, we played it as a duo and it felt great playing it as a duo. And then uh, shortly afterwards, we brought it to the lifers to think of like, well, what if we played it in this format? What would it sound like? And it, it had a whole different feel that I felt like brought more, it like juiced the emotions out a little differently and, and more impactfully, I feel. So so it ended up being a lifer song in the end, but it works either way kind of thing. Juiced it in the way as if you had an orange and hit it with a pressure washer. Yes, pressure washer. Juiced that's it. my that's my That is now. That's not your go-to <laughs> analogy when you're on stage. No, I've, I don't think I've ever described any part of myself as pressure washery. <laughs> I, like I do, I do like it though, I'm not gonna lie, that'd be great stage banter. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll say that tonight. <laughs> <laughs> because it is something that, with certain bands, you can tell that their stage banter is inspired by quotes they've used elsewhere, mm -hmm. that I just really like, so they just repeat it on stage. Yeah. <laughs> but does that, the way that you look at songs as a duo versus band, a band, does that apply to covers? When you guys, when you go to learn them... Is that a filter? Totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think you can take that in so, so many different directions. Co covers are, are interesting that way, and we've become more and more selective in terms of what we play, and we're wanting to play more of our peers' music as opposed to really popular songs um, in the hopes that we can help make our peers' music more popular. Um, I think how we arrange covers is essential to look at when going to play it, because I, I don't want us to really be a tribute act. I don't know if we play a single cover the way that the song was made famous by, by the, the original artist. And that helps us keep some of our own integrity in that it's our interpretation of that song. And then it also keeps the song interesting for the audience. Yeah. It's, it's interesting looking at covers for, for this act as opposed to the, the lifers, because again, the lifers just have that many more moving parts and, and options to bring to the table uh, that, that make... When we do play covers with the lifers, it's a blast. We, we did a, mm -hmm. a, an ABBA cover at, at Mariposa. That yeah, was so gimme, gimme, gimme. It was like my crowning glory, being yeah. able to play ABBA on stage. <laughs> yeah. It was a fun time. It is a bucket list saying though, isn't it? I mean, oh, yeah. ABBA is one of those bands that you just... You want to you want to, you want to play one of those songs on stage at one point in your life. Oh it's, yeah, it's almost too much fun. I want to. There's a couple bucket list items in terms of cover bands that I would like <laughs> to do. One of them is ABBA for sure. I would love to do a tour with an ABBA tribute band. And then the other one would definitely be 
um, a dream that my sister and I have of doing a Halloween show of mm. all Arthur's songs, like the, the children's show. Because there are more songs than you would think coming from that show. Mm. That's also very unexpected because when you ask a musician who they what songs they want to play, you rarely get that they want it to be songs from Arthur. Yeah. Jekyll, Jekyll, hi, hi, Jekyll, hi, hi, Jekyll. You've got it. And we would all have to dress up as the characters, too. Yeah. Because it's Halloween. Yeah. What about you? What are your, what are some of your bucket list <laughs> cover tribute bands? Oh, goodness. I, I would love to do, uh, there's a, uh, an annual Tom Waits tribute night, actually, I think on Halloween in Toronto. And, and I'm, I'm a huge fan of Tom Waits and, and would love to, to participate in that kind of thing. Uh, something for for the band or or for Paul Simon would be a blast as, as well. That would be really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think even just a night. Uh, our friend Mingja Chen in in Toronto does a cover your friends night, where there's a a, a predetermined art, uh, roster of artists, and there's kind of a uh, they pick out of a hat, or previous to the uh, prior to the the concert. And they are each covering one of the other artist's songs, but the artist who's being covered doesn't know who's going to do it. And it, it's just, I think, a brilliant thing. And they've done that a, is very yeah, brilliant, actually. They, they've done a couple editions of that, and I think it, it just shows so much solidarity and, and respect and, and love for the, the local scene. Mm-hmm. We just found out recently that one of our fans covered our song. Yeah. I think that's the first time anyone's covered our music before. Mm-hmm. And which is huge because that means that you officially made impact on mm-hmm. someone enough for them to invest time to learn it. Yeah, totally. that was really cool. Totally. She's like, I think she's a lot newer to music than we are, and it's just really cool that we can be part of those songs that kind of start to shape you as an artist. Totally. Because um, yeah, that's that's huge. Yeah, and it's been interesting. Even just uh, we only really heard a, an Instagram video of of. Uh, that this individual playing her song and it was it was neat listening to it and hear her take again her interpretation of our song where you know it's not a duo it's just one person and the guitar part changes a little bit some of the chord structures are a little different and what did you just, say before it felt more city in color yeah yeah, yeah. It, it took one of her tunes and it, and it sounded a bit more more like city in color which mm-hmm. I, I can get behind I thought mm-hmm. it was really neat that's really cool mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, so we that's pretty close to an hour. Mm-hmm. And uh, before we go, though, tell us where we can find you online and also just recap some details for tonight's show. So in case anyone, if anyone's listening to Kill You 96.7 FM that want to see your show tonight, tell them where they can find you. You can find us online uh, on Facebook uh, if you search Tragedy Ann. On Instagram, our handle is TragedyGram, because of the punster in the band. And uh, we have a website, tragedyandmusic.com, and most importantly, we have a mailing list, Mm -hmm. where we send out uh, little love notes to people across Canada once a month, letting them know what's going on in our garden and in our musical life, and Mm -hmm. sharing some little uh, pre-release content. And Some where sneak we're going to be, yeah, yeah. be playing in the next little bit. So thank you for listening to The Music Prophet. You just heard our chat with Tragedy Anne. This has been such a joy. 